Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? Uh, well, I'll admit, I was doing better before I lied down for a nap, woke up, and saw the Mets lost 7-1 to the Nationals. Hey, at least you didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. What the fuck? It just happened theoretically, not a... Uh... The Braves are, like, physically incapable of losing a game, and the Mets are out here getting blown out by the post-Juan Soto Washington Nationals. Sounds about right. (sighs) Well, let's move on to something more positive, I guess. We'll start with Promote Extent Trade and Lord of the Rings. Rings of Power just debuted on Amazon. So unless you've been living under a rock for like 100 years or so, you should have a basic grasp of, you know, what Lord of the Rings is about. Rings. So in honor of that, what magical rings are we going to promote, extend, or trade? (laughs) Non-Lord of the Rings magical rings. Okay. So first we have the Green Lantern rings. Sure. Next, we have the Captain Planet Planeteer Rings. And last, but certainly not least, are the Spaceballs Schwartz Rings. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's easily that one. The 
Mets have gone from suck to blow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they have. I okay. Also, I love that kind of movie. I love lots of Mel Gibson movies. Spaceballs has its moments. Do not generally like Spaceballs. It's definitely the least good yeah. Mel Brooks movie. I agree Mel Brooks. With that. I said Mel Gibson. As you can tell, I just rolled out of bed to do this podcast. The brain <laughs> is not quite here yet. Um, Extremely also, don't want to see what Mel Gibson's Spaceballs would look like. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> For some reason, Keep in everyone's, mind, everyone's racist now. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind, though, that Yogurt said that you don't need your Schwartz ring to channel the Schwartz. So technically, the ring is just worthless when you think about it. Right, right. I mean... But at the same time, it's a Yeah, but does a Jedi need his lightsaber to channel the Force? No. No. No, it's just a, a tool. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll promote the DC Greenland. It's weird. You somehow picked three magical rings that I have no strong connection with, and I have no strong feelings on what I want to do with them. Well, that's good, then. That's kind of, you know, makes it as neutral as possible here. The Green Lantern rings are like... I know they. I know the Green Lanterns get sh- have like routinely gotten shit on in basically every DC TV show or movie, but in the comic continuity, the Green Lanterns are overpowered as all hell. Like you could do literally anything with those rings. Yeah, they just haven't figured out a good way to adapt it for the screen, which I yeah. get. It's probably it's hard. Even in the animated movies, the Green Lanterns just get like. They're like fodder, even though they're supposed to be the most <laughs> powerful thing in the galaxy or whatever. So I'll I'll, I'll promote the the rings, I guess, or uh, or extend the rings, and then promote the spaceballs one. And the only Captain Planet thing I like is the robot chicken Captain Planet skit because they're always always <laughs> very amusing. Captain Planet. Believe it or not, one of like my earliest memories <laughs> involves Captain Planet. I don't know what year it was, but there was like Burger King was having like a, a you know like the kids meal thing was sure. Captain Planet related. So I remember getting one of the Captain Planet toys. I must have been like five, six, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Captain Planet is a core memory. <laughs> Wasn't Don Cheadle Captain Planet? I know so so little about actual Captain Planet. I don't know. I don't know. Captain Planet is in the wheelhouse of, like, really so bad that they're good. You know, like, Mm. late 80s, early 90s cartoons. It's, it's, It's in the pantheon. But agreed about extending the Captain... I mean, um... Extended Green Lantern rings because they are like powerful. Except when it comes to like wood or something, I think Green Lanterns can't affect anything that's wood or what? metal. I don't <laughs> what? know. That's so odd. I don't no, know. that can't be right. Yeah, Green Lanterns wood. Either wood or metal or something, and also I think the color yellow is like random. Well, yeah, yeah, there are like other lanterns. Yeah, with yeah, yeah, with different colors. Why did the first? All right, here's a core question. Why did the first Green Lantern have a weakness against wood? Mm. You mean Alan Scott, the first man to bear the Green Lantern? Alan Scott was not really a Green Lantern, as those powers were similar enough. Blah, blah, blah. Magic is a threat to harmony of the universe. They attempted to seal it away. Uh, this answer is very long. 
I've lost interest in it, but mm. your original perception was not wrong. There was a weakness to wood okay. at some yes. point. So, yes. Outside of wood, Green Lantern is very strong. What the hell, man? Why the weak to wood? Hide behind a door. Uh, can't do it. Superman, where are you? <laughs> I made, I, I used my mind to create an infinitely fast <laughs> freight train covered in chainsaws, and I've been thwarted by a thin piece of plywood. Damn. Damn it. Hey, when that happens. Yes, we need Superman. Yes, we need Batman to bail all of our superpowered dumbasses out again because he's the only one who can use his brain for half a second. <laughs> you know who would not have problems with that door? The Planeteers. Because they have fire rings. And yeah, but then they'd be damaging. They probably don't want to damage wood either, you know? Like that, uh. That's from the Earth or some some shit i don't know unless it's a poacher's camp maybe or logging no, illegal <laughs> loggers no, i really don't know <laughs> there, there there's there's things to get around that but yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep the planeteers and get rid of the shorts thomas which way are you going here i'm i'll swap your keep and uh get rid of and i'll mm-hmm. extend the green lantern because they are objective the green lantern ring is the most object- objectively powerful one yeah. Before we move on, did you guys watch Lord of the Rings yet? I have. I'm waiting till all the se- the whole season comes out. Oh, bold! That's a that's a bold strategy. I usually do that, but I was particularly um, uh, beat up by work, and I watched the first episode because I needed to take my minds off things. It was fine. I okay. have. So, like, I'm a gigantic Lord of the Rings fan. I can probably quote all 12 hours of the extended editions from memory, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. I literally can. Um, I figured you were, like, the target demographic. Yeah, and I am and I just had no interest in this because I, I have had, like, no excitement for it because I don't trust them to do something that's worth watching. It wasn't bad, but I'm not like, oh, my God, I can't wait to have, see what happens next. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, the literally the first episode put me to sleep. Not even joking, I did fall asleep, mm. and I was just like, I'm not really into this, which is weird because uh, again, very big Lord of the Rings fan. But the second episode, it did it did enough to kind of hook me. So, right. your your opinion might change in the second episode, hopefully. All right, now moving on to uh, some teams that will probably not hook anybody. Syracuse Mets, and they played the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders this week. They went one and five, so they lost the series. What's new? They are 53 and 76 on the season now. They remain in second to last place. The Charlotte Knights did not jump them because they were equally bad this week. So basically, instead of looking at first place with Syracuse, because that's basically impossible, it makes more sense to look at last place. And Syracuse is two and a half games ahead of Charlotte, so hopefully they end the year, you know, there's a couple of weeks left. Hopefully they end the year ahead of uh, the Knights and not in last place. Binghamton Rumble Ponies, they played the Somerset Patriots, and they went one and three with the last game of the series being played right now as we speak on Sunday night. Win, loss, whatever, it really doesn't matter because same thing like Syracuse, Binghamton, you know, they're in second to last place. They're so far gone. It doesn't really matter. They're 21 and 33 in the second half. 
They also happen to be two and a half games ahead of uh, the last place team in the Eastern League, Northeast Division, the, uh, the the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. So same thing. Hopefully they end the season in second to last place instead of last place. That's like the only silver lining with uh, these two teams. Grim. Now that, yeah, yeah. Now that we got them out of the way, though, the better teams, the Cyclones, they played the Wilmington Blue Rocks. They went four and two to win the series, and that puts them at 36 and 24 in the second half. The Hudson Valley Renegades, they went three and three against the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. So the Cyclones leapfrog them, and they are currently a half game ahead of them in first place for the South Atlantic League North Division. Um, next week, which is the last week of the se- season, the Renegades are playing the Wilmington Blue Rocks. And the Cyclones are playing the Winston-Salem Dash. The Dash are our worst team. They're, they're the second to worst team in the entire South Atlantic League. So advantage Cyclones, I guess. Um, definitely going to be an exciting last week of the season. Too bad, you know, that the, the Cyclones are not going to be playing at home. This this last week was their last homestand. And finally, the St. Lucie Mets. And they played the Jupiter Hammerheads. They went four and two on the week. So that leaves them at 31 and 28 in the second half. That is second place, but they won the first half. So it doesn't really matter where they place right now. Um, They're going to play the Fort Myer Miracle next week. And then after that, they're going to play whoever in the Florida State League playoffs. And uh, a lot of 2022 draftees are, are starting to heat up right now for St. Lucie. So that's good good time for all the stars to align for them <laughs> basically we need some of that karma to uh drift upwards towards the mets the vibes are not so good i can't believe i just said vibes um the vibes are not so great right now no some good news uh, i was reported last week we touched on it a little bit that francisco Alvarez he hurt his ankle and it was looking like it was probably going to be the end of his season because there was the potential that he might need surgery on it. Well, a week later, we have a little bit more clarity into the situation. And apparently Alvarez has a loose body in his right ankle, which means that either a bone chip or a cartilage fragment, whatever, came loose. And it lodged itself in his ankle joint. So he got a, a special shot to calm the inflation, reduce the pain, and hopefully dislodge that loose body. Um, surgery is still on the table in theory, but the organization is pretty optimistic that this is going to do the trick. And they are even um, saying that he might be cleared to resume baseball activities before the 2022 season is over. Uh, Syracuse AAA, their season runs a little bit longer than all the other levels. So this is good news. Yep. Yep. Who was it that said they, he was going to get surgery originally? I don't remember the source on that, but. Um, Martino? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is good both because you might get back on the field and there's, this isn't like something that's going to have long-term complications in all likelihood, right? It's not like he broke it. Like you can have bad ankle breaks can be kind of bad to heal from and bad long-term. He didn't tear any ligaments. This is just some loose shit, which just happens sometimes and you can take care of and be fine generally. Yeah, I'm I'm fine if they don't play him for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be nice to see him hit a little bit more in AAA because he, I don't want to say struggles, but he did hit 180, 340, 378. Like those numbers don't lie. Those what what the numbers are. 
but um, <laughs> the numbers don't lie. Yeah, uh, they don't. He's what, like twenty? He's twenty-one still, right? Yeah, I'm not saying it's anything. Twenty-one-year-old catcher in AAA, right? Like it's it'd be. It's not insane in, that he's going to struggle a little bit at that level. And if, in 32 games, it's not even yeah, a half season. Right. But, it's so I'd like to see him just get those reps, but I'd rather him be healthy. Like if if the Mets had. It hasn't really worked, but the Mets did like acquire hitters at the deadline to the point where they shouldn't need Alvarez to be a savior for their offense or anything. Um, because expecting him to ever do that as a 21-year-old catcher who hadn't seen AAA would have been ridiculous. So, oh, yeah, it's Mets too much. Ridiculous. That's way too much on him. Mm-hmm. Well, one guy that is going to be getting some major league time the Mets called him up, and he actually already did pitch, is Bryce Montes de Oca. When the Mets put Trevor May on the disabled list on Saturday, they brought de Oca, Montes de Oca up, and then they used him on Saturday in relief after the game got away from them. He threw two-thirds of an inning, he gave up a hit, he walked a batter, and struck out a batter. And Montes de Oca feels like he's been around forever, and he kind of has been, which is crazy. Um, like he became a, a draft follow all the way back in 2013, which is like 10 years ago at this point, which is crazy. Jesus. Yeah. He drafted by the White Sox out of high school in 2014, then again by the Nats as a junior in 2017, and then the Mets as a senior in 2018. And he had Tommy John and, and ulnar transposition surgery that, that caused him to drop and then declined to sign with the White Sox and the Nats. And then after the Mets on them, he had a bunch more surgeries that kept him out of uh, 2018 and all of 2019. He had knee surgery, he had arm surgery, he had shoulder surgery, and then COVID in 2020. So coming in all the way into 2021, the guy never threw a professional inning despite getting drafted in 2018. Um, but, you know, he's a reliever. They could be pushed fast, and that's basically exactly what happened here. He spent most of 2021 with the Cyclones. He was decent. And then he split the season this year with Binghamton, basically for like a third of the year, and then Syracuse for two thirds. And again, you know, he was decent. Um, he throws really hard. He sits in the high 90s. He touches 100 a bunch. And then he has a pretty good slider and a cutter. But his control is terrible. He's a big, tall guy. The mechanics have a lot of moving parts that are not easy repeated. And that's a combination for disaster. Um, in his professional career, he's thrown a, th- thrown a total of 81.1 innings he's given up 55 hits which is 6.1 per nine fine he struck out 119 batters that's 13.2 strikeouts per nine that's good and he's walked 62 batters which is 6.9 per nine which is bad that's pretty nice yeah (laughs) he's a guy that when he's on he's lights out and then when he's off he's he's off and can be really really bad if he ever gets a little bit more command. He's easily a major league pitcher, I think, because I think he has really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, unironically so, but yeah, he doesn't know where it's going. And I'm surprised I didn't call him up earlier, just because I do think his stuff is a step above the other guys who they brought up and used out of the bullpen this year. Um, I get it because he's barely pitched and he was hurt a lot and all that stuff. But and when the guy who's hurt like that as a reliever, you got to use his. Uses bullets in the majors instead of using yeah. the runners, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he's had freak injuries. Yeah, Tommy John, you know, like Tommy John could happen, like whatever, you know. And, and the yeah, owner I, I, trans, 
every pitcher part. could have Tom John like right <laughs> tomorrow exactly the so like guy. so that stuff it's like all right whatever that happens but then he's had unrelated knee surgery his unrelated shoulder surgery unrelated arm surgery it's not like you know he got hit by a comebacker and broke something you know these are not freak things these are I mean I guess any injury is a freak thing but you know what I mean it's yeah. these are bodily injuries that are happening as as we all age into the entropy I guess they're directly related to his pitching and you see it with his mechanics the mechanics are bad and they probably <laughs> don't lead to him staying on the field but also I don't know if he would be good if he changed them because that might be where he gets his stuff from so it's a double-edged sword for him but he should have been up before this I think just for pure his stuff is good enough to get out major league hitters now because of the the level like He's faced guys who are on the Nationals and in that level of talent in the minors because mm-hmm. of how bad that team is. And they face a lot of teams like this in September, so he won't be out of place if he stays up. And he did stay up. They sent down Medina instead. So maybe he gets a little bit of a run like that as a mop-up guy, and they send him on his way, and he gets a month of uh, service time. But he should have been up before, I think. I feel like I've been yelling about the Mets not churning their roster enough for years now and, and not – Looking at uh, uh Doca before this is a good example, I think. Um, like, there are parts of your roster that you should be constantly cycling. And, and the back of the bullpen is arguably the biggest spot there. Especially when you've elected not to make significant investments in that part of your team. Uh, which the Mets obviously haven't. <laughs> Like, you don't it's need to call nice. up Adonis Medina for the sixth time. You can try someone else. It's okay. Yeah, but what if you lose Adonis Medina? Then what? Oh, what, oh if, no. what, what is that season going to happen now? Oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no offense I mean, to Adonis Medina, of course. I, I also feel this way about Nate Fisher in that he very clearly looks like a major league, a guy who could get major league hitters out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he can do it sustainably, but he did it this year already. So those guys should be up a little bit quicker than what they do now, especially because who they were calling up is so been there, done that with it. And we've seen it already. We saw those guys be on the roster and they were up and down and Medina's kind of the the shine has come off him. So if you're, so I'm ha- if you're trying to be a contender, you cannot be afraid of losing an Adonis Medina caliber pitcher. You need to be cycling the roster spot in the hopes that you find someone better than Adonis Medina. And if you lose Adonis Medina, you also need to have a roster where you have two other Adonis Medinas. Honestly, I think, like, Yoan Lopez is a better example of why... That's that's a better example, yep. yep. Because at least Medina was, like, a prospect, and I think he was a top 100 guy, and and people do like him. And even I, there's some... I think there's a little bit of juice in there, but, like, Lopez is, like, 30, and we know what his... Deal He's is. been a failed closer on like six teams now. We don't have to keep calling up Yoan Lopez. We could have called up Bryce Montez de Elka already. And yep. then if he sucks, then you could have figured that out. And if he's good, then you would have known. And that would have saved the Mets a lot of headaches. Mm-hmm. But they, they decided to try that in September. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, it's, it seems to be a recurring theme for these 2022 Mets because there's one more guy that we'll discuss that hasn't gotten a call up and maybe should have and maybe would have been able to help them out of this malaise that they're in right now because say what you want about him, but the dude is hitting in AAA. And on, when was this? Friday, Buck Showalter was asked about the player in question. And Buck seemed extreme, extremely dismissive of Mark Vientos. He said, you know, when when um, he was mentioned about him having a good season and, and the possibility of call-up, and Buck O'Neill said, yeah, what part of the season is he having that's good? Are you talking about the hitting? Which is um, not a... a, not a, a an endorsement. It's not a very ringing endorsement. And I wonder what the hell he did to piss Buck Showalter off because, yeesh. But, um, you know, I I think there's no question I'm the highest on Mark Vientos in basically all Mets minor league circles. And the guy is a flawed player, no doubt. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not blind. His swing is long. The bet speed is average at best. So he's going to have problems catching up to, you know, breaking balls or or um, good velocity. But he's hitting 280, 362, 529 in 107 games in AAA. And that includes um, basically his two-week or so cup of coffee at the end of last season. And, and including in, in all of that is 26 homers, 49 walks, and 127 strikeouts, which is a 13.4 walk percentage and 29.2 strikeout percentage. That success that he's been having in AAA didn't come out of nowhere because he was good in AA too. He hit 281, 346, 580 with 22 homers, 26 walks, and 87 strikeouts in 72 AA games. Basically the same exact numbers in AA and AAA. And, you know, I'm not saying that Darren Ruff needs to be released or that the Mets need to make crazy reactionary moves. I mean, that's what you have to do, though. That's the problem. (laughs) Right. I mean, they're... The, the the lack of, like what Lucas was saying, churning the roster earlier in the season now is causing major problems. And they're literally in the fight of their life right now. The Braves are just not losing. And so the funny thing right now is I don't think you even have to release Darren Ruff. Devin Marrero is still yeah, on the roster. That's that's the craziest thing. I, they I, have, I with both of you there. No, but the thing is, Devin Marrero just exists – and he has a roster spot because he's played a dozen or so games as a shortstop. And at best, he's a, a neutral defender. He's a better defender than that, I think. But still. Uh, Mark Vientos in this season 
I'm on Fangrass right now. Give me one second. He has played. I don't think he should be starting. He hasn't played third base in any real capacity for like half a year. So like, can you, can he be a third baseman in the majors right now? I, I mean, it depends what level you're willing to put up with. What kind of, I mean, even below average. Cause I don't think so. I think he could be a below average defender. I mean, anybody could be a below okay, average. Okay, so defender. average, <laughs> like like enough, average, good yeah. enough to play. Like I think he'd probably be worse than J.D. Davis, right? Defensively. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I do not disagree. So then, how where does he fit on the roster? Because J.D. Davis was an unrosterable third baseman. Put him on the bench. Devin Marrero is on the bench doing nothing. At least Vientos, if you pinch it, he has the potential to run into a homer every once. Sure. In a while. To run into a hit every once in a while. So then how, have do you give, how do you give Eduardo Escobar a day off or Francisco Lindor a day off? Well, they're not going to do that anyway. But how do you give Escobar a day off? How do you give McNeil a day off? You, you can't. Like, now you're running two first basemen on your bench or Vogel back in a first baseman, uh, Naquin and a backup catcher, and Terrence Gore because you want him to run. So you could let Terrence Gore go and call him back up in a week or whatever when Guillaume comes back. But at that point, your bench has no positional flexibility at all. You have right, well, three first, you have four first basemen on your roster. Cause that's yeah. what I think this is. That's the problem. Uh, I am. My counterpoint is that it's no better with Marrero on the roster. Cause as bad as, as bad as Vientos probably is defensively. And I don't disagree really with anything you've said there. Marrero is an absolute black hole in offense. Oh it's yeah, he ju- can't hit. It's like, just as much. Uh, if 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 your point is that it's if if your point is that they have no flexibility because it's a punt to play Vientos at third base, my point is that it's a punt to play Marrero at third base because he does literally nothing with the bat. And mm-hmm. yeah, maybe Vientos makes an ugly play and everyone screams and yells about it, but the 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 reality. The, the worst case reality here is basically the same. The difference is that Vientos, and again, I also am more aligned with your assessment of Mark Vientos than, than Steve's, in that I don't think he's going to be great. He strikes out too much in the minors. He hits the ball on the ground too much, et cetera, et cetera. There's at least a modicum of upside there, right? And, and we've certainly gotten better at evaluating minor league hitting and, and projecting how that's going to translate to the majors, but we're still not really that excellent at it right and there are definitely red flags with vientos but you kind of don't know until you try and given where the offense is at right now given again that in my opinion devin marrero is just as useless for just as useless a bench piece because of the offensive uh, uh, uh lack of utility i'd rather try out the, the younger player and Again, you give him a couple weeks. If his defense is unplayable, you say, okay, thanks. Luigi Orme is healthy. See ya. If his so bat I, isn't good, you say, yep, thanks. Luigi Orme is healthy again. See ya. But there's no reason in my mind not to experiment for a, a couple weeks here because Devin Marrero is, is just as bad as the worst-case scenario for Vientos and has no upside. So I think I would wait until Guillaume is actually here to do this if they're going to do it, because 
frankly, you don't have the roster spot. Yeah, I mean, you could just like, get rid of Gore and Marrero. You don't need Terrence Gore, like, realistically. You and don't also, need arguably, I think they probably should DL Vogelbach just because he is, like, walking worse and worse, it looks. Yeah, to me. like, if if he's that hurt, you could also do that and make Naquin the full-time left-handed DH for a week when you play Pittsburgh and all these bad teams. And those are, it shouldn't really matter. Um <laughs> shouldn't but you, exactly it, it it might because the offense is really struggling right now but it shouldn't matter Naquin should be able to hit those guys those right-handed pitchers that he's going to face and Vientos is just to me I think the Mets also don't think he's a third baseman at all he's I know errors are a bad way to evaluate things but he made 10 errors in 56 games this year at third base that's that's insanely bad that's like worst defender in baseball bad so I don't know how you could play that in a pennant race because people are just going to bunt down the third base line at you or every play at third base is going to be holding your breath. So you saw how bad Beatty looked and he's not, he's a way better defender than Vientos. It's just, it's hard because I get it, but I think you needed to not make the rough trade to do this and just acquire Chad Pinder or someone who plays a bunch of positions and gives you flexibility in a different way. I think if they really wanted to do this, they would have handled the, the, deadline differently but now that you're here i don't know how you i don't know how you go into a game where francisco lindor could pull a hamstring and then you lose because you you're playing eduardo escobar shortstop and mark vantos at third base where sure but devin morero could make a game-saving play and go and go for four because he's a good defender at three positions like mark vantos could run into a home run that uh, like uh, devin morero is never going to do that Sure. And it's just it's just a different it's there's many ways to figure this out. And I think the Mets just need to make a decision there. And if I think they should just if they really want to do this and make a bold claim, then DFA rough and make Vientos the full time right handed DH. And if he sucks, then you're screwed. I mean, fucking Phantom IL Dan Ruff at this point. He has a 29 weighted runs created plus since joining the Mets. (sighs) Yeah, like you could do that. There's there's other ways to do it where you kind of keep. Because I, I understand that. I may, Maybe I'm not correct in that way, but I do understand that I wouldn't want a roster with four first baseman DHs on it because you just get more canna at third base if someone gets hurt, like they had to do a few weeks ago, I think, when Escobar went down. And I guess he could do that, but why would you do that when you could do other things? And this just speaks to how bad the upper minors is, where there's just no one to call up. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of suggests they should. I mean, I know I said they did enough at the deadline, and I that comment is not totally accurate, right? They really should have traded for Christian Vasquez, and they really should have tried to find a better third base option. Like, I don't know who that is exactly. Brandon yeah, Jury hasn't been great no since the deadline. I mean, there Brandon was just- Jury was probably the guy. Yeah. Um, I forget, honestly, what the Padres gave up for him. I, I just really wish that the right-handed first baseman they got, I mean, the right-handed DH they got wasn't first base only. Because it, it, they they just have a hard time. Really, they have to go with the nine that start. It's mm-hmm. yeah. They have no choice. And even if Vientos comes up, they it would just be the same problem, really because Vientos would be playing a lot of rough spots and Ruff wouldn't really be playing. Ruff would be kind of Naquin 
I think what would is what would happen where mm-hmm. Escobar plays third every day, no matter what. And Lindor plays short and McNeil plays second. And that's your outfield. And that is what it is. Cause Naquin's not really playing. And I just, the team is good. I don't think the Mets are bad, even with this two week stretch of no offense, but they're thin and they're un and they're inflexible. And that's, it's reared its head more so at any point of the year than it has recently. Yep, absolutely. And even giving guys days off, they can't do it really. Mm-hmm. Rough falling off a cliff really sucks, honestly. Yeah, that really sucks. Because he was destroying lefties before he came to the Mets. And it's a small sample still. It's only mm-hmm. 30 at-bats of very in a, a very um inconsistent playtime because they face like a million righties, it feels. I feel like they only face lefties starting with the Dodger series. But that's why Vogelback was so good until he pulled his hamstring. And mm-hmm. it's very clearly hurt right now. And they really needed to, and I really like, given the absence of high-level third-base options available by via trade, they should have gotten a better catcher, and they failed to do that. Mm-hmm. And I finally pulled up the Brandon Jury prospect, Victor Costa, who I don't know off the top of my head. Fangraphs had him as a 40. He's a complex-level shortstop. Like, Sorry, the Mets probably should have topped that for Brandon Jury because he would have fit the roster perfectly. And instead, they got Darren Ruff. And yeah, gave up not, a not insignificant amount of stuff for Darren Ruff either. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit, but not optimal. And we're talking about now, you know, the, the lack of uh, what's a good word reinforcements. In the minor leagues, the last you know month, I guess let's say. I mean, they brought a Beatty. That also and, really sucks for them because he was going to play a lot. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think of, he was going to figure it plans. out too. Like he was hitting the ball on the ground a lot, but he was, he was hitting, hitting it hard. hard. Right. Yeah. He was like, yeah, give him a couple weeks. I think he's going to figure this shit out and start hitting at least a little bit at the major league level. And then, nip, nip. The Mets can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. And that would have lengthened a lot of stuff with the bench and because mm-hmm. baby yep. could play a passable third base and then Escobar could they've been fake he could fake it at short for a half inning if or half of a game if something goes wrong with Lindor and you don't need black holes on your bench and it kind of just lengthens everything and mm-hmm. him getting I hurt just, really sucks. But the the last month or so you know the the I've been, I was looking at the numbers and, and the minors and especially when it came to pitching and, and trying to apply it out, like, okay, who's going to be the pitcher of the month? And for, like, a good two, three-week span, can you believe there was not a single guy that even had a basic quality start, you know, six innings, less than, less than four runs? I yes. Can buy that. Yeah. Like <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes, you, you guys. Are used at this point, yeah. <laughs> you guys can, you guys can, yes. But, yeah, I mean, it was just terrible. We finally now have a couple of guys that have had a few decent outings this last past week, but... The the miners are especially sucking right now, particularly when it comes to when it comes to pitching and those impact players that would be of value to the Mets. You know, they had Beatty and he's not available now. Um, Vientos, they're not you know interested in in a trying out for a bunch of different reasons, and you know that's kind of it, position player wise. And pitching-wise, I think it's even worse. I mean, you had Jose Budo, I guess, is the only legit prospect in, like, the mid to upper minors 
quote, and we've just quote legit prospect. right we've dis- we've discussed this a lot and now the wider fandom has seen that he's a, a highly flawed starter but and he, he is facing- the guy who like who got the call and he was the right guy yeah he was like the like, only guy when when that when that game happened it was very clearly had to be budo otherwise you're just either doing a bullpen game or completely punting it and they won anyway and be the starter (laughs) but yeah i mean after budo who else is there in the upper minors starting wise you could say maybe joshua walker but same thing i think that you know he's not a bona fide prospect just like i don't think budo is a bona fide prospect and regardless Walker spent most of the season hurt anyway, so, I mean, yeah. whatever his standing was coming into the season, it is certainly not there at this point. And also, so. that's not really fair to him to ask him to kind of <laughs> just come back. Like, he hasn't really pitched a lot this year, and then, hey, go pitch in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Well, that's, welcome back. Guess what? That's asking a lot. That's that's yeah. really putting him in a position to fail, and that's not fair to him. Yep. But, the, you know, in the upper minors, there's, like, no one pitching-wise. And then if you go down a level, if you look at the mid-minors, which, you know, is Brooklyn, basically, there's a couple of guys. There's Dominic Hamill, Luis Moreno, Garrison Bryant, Mike Vassell, Keishon Askew. But same thing like Budo. All those guys are flawed pitchers. There's potential. All those guys have potential in some way or another, but there are things that are holding them back. And they're just too and far away. Right. Well, some yes, some no. I mean, I, I wouldn't say at this point. I'm I'm now I'm looking at just the the next crop of upper minors guys. So the guys. No, yeah, be, I, get, I get what you're saying. The but. guys that would be the Budos of next year would be like this this crop of this this crop of pitchers. And you know, fast forward now we're in the 2023 season. And you know, would you be confident in the Mets? calling any of these guys up as they are pitchers right now no no yeah and matt allen getting hurt really sucks because he i think even though he's young i think he would have been yeah he'd be in advanced this enough to either be a reliever like to kind of use him in the pen and figure it out or maybe even get some spot starts because he was a really advanced for his age when he was in brooklyn i mean now, if if allen never got injured he might have been the one making that start because exactly. he was he was in Brooklyn for, I mean, it was very limited innings in Brooklyn, but you figure he probably would have split the twenty, the 2021 season last year with Brooklyn and mm-hmm. Binghamton. And then this season, he would have spent some time in Binghamton. And uh, I Sir- think maybe maybe Syracuse might be a little aggressive, but he would have definitely spent the most most majority of his season in Brooklyn. I mean, in, in Binghamton, just like Budo did. So... And he very clearly had stuff that was advanced for his age, so I wouldn't have been surprised if he if you were able to aggressively push him, mm-hmm. where he didn't really have to develop the third pitch. He had it and all that stuff, and he was just destroying kids in Brooklyn when he was a reliever. Like, it was just not fair. Yeah. And it him obviously it sucks for him. Like I'm not gonna discount that. It's that's who it sucks for the most because that's his arm and his career. It sucks for the Mets too, <laughs> and yep. it sucks for us because he would have been right. He would have been the top guy. He would have been the guy coming up. And there's an alternate reality where he does a 20 2006 Adam Wainwright out of the bullpen for the Mets in the playoffs this year, like where he's a valuable guy for them for bulk innings where they need it, and then you transition him into a starter after that. Man, fucking Adam Wainwright, man. 
and now his arm is and here we are. <laughs> so we don't need cannot have nice things. Yep. But like the Mets have those guys, and then when you think about it, there are a lot of other guys that could have been in this group that are no longer here that got traded. Um if you look at just the last calendar year, which I think it's pretty crazy, six players in the upper to mid minors, six guys that could have been the Budos <laughs> got traded. You had Adam Aller, JT Ginn, Thomas Zapucky, Carson Seymour, Nick Zwack, and let's not forget about him, even though his time with us was very brief, Josh Winkowski. <laughs> Three of those guys, four of those guys potentially could have been getting major league starts in some capacity. I think. I, I mean, was, I was terrible. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not up. saying I'm not saying that they're good, but I'm just saying these could have been options. And you know, in in a magical universe where they're not traded, everything goes right for them and they become stars. Obviously, but you have uh, Adam Aller could have pitched. I think JT Ginn. If he had not gotten injured this year, he probably could have been pitching in the major leagues in some capacity. Thomas Bucky has wasn't great. He's been a little bit better with San Francisco. I mean, shocker. Hope, hopefully he he you know nothing against him. I hope he he figures things out. Except when he plays the Mets, but you know. And same thing with Winkowski. You know, he's pitched major league innings. Maybe not he, great. He's but, one that that they I think I think he's the guy they missed the most. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other ones I I don't mind trading because, I mean, we saw Zapucky and he wasn't very good and. The other guys were like yeah. trading Aller and and Ginn for Bassett is part of the reason why net, they're yeah. first. But you know what I mean? Like, a net like I, I understand that that losing them is a big blow to the depth, but also Bassett is their third best pitcher and probably their third best pitcher, and he's going to be in their playoff rotation. You know, I'll take that trade a hundred times out of a hundred. But Absolutely. the Winkowski one is tough. Like. That that one's tough because he's the exact type of guy they need and they would put he would be in the pen now and he would be helping out with spot starts and stuff like that and they just don't have that player. And I forgot was, about someone actually. He wasn't traded. We actually traded for him, but he hasn't been around because of injury. Our good old Italian friend Joey Lucchese. He'll be back soon, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and he will un- unironically help. Like if if he makes that start again and on Sunday against Philly a few weeks ago instead of Budo. The Mets won anyway, but it probably would have been a normal baseball game. <laughs> and of course, the he, Mets did... Uh, go ahead, sorry. Hey, he's just the major league pitcher. I, I, I'm not the biggest... He's not my favorite player in the world, but he's a lot better than all those other guys. So. They did trade a guy who's about to be a top 100 prospect for him, though, which is I know. unfortunate. Yeah. And he's just absolutely killing the ball. And, and he's, plays a catcher all, who plays, he's a catcher, yeah. second baseman, outfield. is a really interesting profile. But. Let's, let's not talk about him. There's only one Endy in my heart, okay? Endy, <laughs> well, this this uh, not Endy, Endy has a 218 weighted in 90, 90 uh, plate appearances at uh, AA as a 22-year-old. So, yep. Going well. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. The, all the trades definitely, you know, some have worked out for the Mets, great, as in the Bassett trade. Some, not really too much, but just so much depth has been, you know, exported. And the upper minors this year really, really, really feeling those effects. I, that's just the price you got to pay for winning now. And the Mets are the Mets yeah. are in a weird spot where they're really good and they need to be making these trades. They're going to need to make more of them in the offseason coming up because 
they're going to lose Walker and they might lose Bassett, even though I think they extend him. But they better not. They better not lose him. I should, I should yes, say. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> because they, they, they will be screwed. And Degrom, I think they, I think he comes back, but who knows really? Uh, they're going to need to trade for a starter again, and they're going to need to trade someone who's in who's a depth piece, and then we're going to have the same conversation because they're not ready to be the Dodgers yet, and they're close. They're they're good enough to win. They're not good enough to lose these guys and not feel it in the minors, and that's going to be a while. Yeah, and um, it's getting better. And yeah, the 2021 draft, you know, they traded Zwack and, and Seymour, but they did do a lot to address the depth situation in lowered mid minors they there was a bunch of pitchers that are you know solid college pitchers that maybe they work out maybe they don't but they should be able to at least throw some competitive minor league innings which is good yeah and it's it i can't disagree necessarily with their strategy but in the last couple of drafts prior to this 2021 draft you know has been the shits basically for bulking up the depth just because of you know how they did things and i can't complain about it because it did net them allen and gin who are high upside guys you know gin isn't with us anymore but it doesn't change the fact that the time he was but i mean like in 2019 they basically punted everything after the third round in order to afford allen and it sucks because he's injured now and who knows the shape he's going to be when he gets back on the field either in the AFL, possibly looking optimistically at things, or next season, 2023. But that's an entire draft class with basically no return. Yeah. And then 2020, it was weird because of COVID, obviously, and, and extremely shortened. But same thing. They went all in on Gin and punted basically rounds three to five. And then they did trade Gin later on. So, you know, it kind of sucks. The jury is still out on Eric Orsi, who was that fifth round guy. But you know, him not being good this year is really yeah. fortunate for him too. He would have been up months ago. Yeah, no, yeah. No, he was hurt and been on a rehab assignment the last week, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. He was somewhere in the lower minors. I can't remember off the top of my head where. Yeah. St. Lucie, maybe. St. Lucie. I mean, his problem this year is just giving up a bunch of homers. And if yeah, you, just, yeah. I mean, it's possible that's just fluky because he's a reliever and you give up like three extra homers and suddenly your whole stat line is fucked. The walk and strikeout numbers are still encouraging. Um, yeah, he's also really bad to start the year and yes, got yes. better as it went. He was horrific. Let me actually do his game logs here. He's actually the only guy that's still in the system, which is crazy. PCA <laughs> was traded. Ginn was traded. Isaiah Green was traded. Anthony Walters was released. And then Matthew Dyer was released. So... That entire draft, which is only six players, the Mets got an extra round because of um, Zach Wheeler leaving. But of that entire draft, the only guy they're going to have to show for it is Eric Gorzy. And still, like is, that, that stuff adds up. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I think it'll, I think it'll get better with the new front office and less mm-hmm. bonds and everything. But it's gonna, that's that's something that we won't see the effects of for four years, five years, because it takes a while. That shit takes forever. And that's unfortunate that it takes forever, but also that's life. Since the start of June, Orzi has a 31 to 4 strikeout to walk ratio and has given up three homers in 24 innings. That's a 3.28 ERA and a 3.18 FIP. Um, the Mets should call him up. If yeah, it's he's not healthy. that bad. Yeah. 
I wonder if he ends up getting a call while they cycle everyone in this uh, month. I would have if I think if he was healthy, he would have gotten it or at least should have gotten it before Montez de Oca, who I've mm-hmm. never been huge on. I agree. Um, but I would I would like to see him before the end of the season, certainly, because I again am tired of watching Adonis Medina. Listen, when you have the opportunity to let Yohan Lopez pitch, you let him pitch. <laughs> is he even still on the forty man is he on the forty man roster still? He might be. I don't I don't think so though. Lopez, Lopez. No, he gone. He gone. Hmm. Um, He'll be who back. Would you, could you kick <laughs> off the 40-man here? I would yeah. say the early returns for depth reasons and stuff are good for the 2022 draft. Uh, yep, mm-hmm. I agree. They, they seem to have taken a step in a good direction. And mm-hmm. as I, long I, as, if, if you're stacking drafts like this, even if you're making win-now trades, you will have net positives with your prospects anyway. And that's I, will, I will say this on the pod, even though I tweeted it out with a farm report earlier this week, I am staking my claim to Dylan to break as a personal cheese ball. Yeah, I mean, you could look at the 2022 draft and you could add Blake Tidwell and Dylan T. break to the list of guys that are going to be, you know, in the lower to upper, excuse mm-hmm. me, like the lower to mid minors yeah, at this point next season. And we'll, you know, in... We'll be pitching and, and hopefully not pitching poorly. But, yeah, I mean, getting back to things, uh, attaching this back, coming full circle back to the Mets. I mean, there's really – Eric Gorzi is our only hope, basically. Hmm. It's very easy to forget, and I forget it too, that the Mets are still very early in the process of rebuilding their organization despite how good they are this year. Um. Like the Dodgers post sale, they in the early parts of their in their time post sale they were good, but they were never a hundred wins and this good. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they had their war their warts and their problems because they were fixing everything. The Mets have kind of exceeded my expect. I thought they were going to win the division, but they've exceeded my expectations and how good the team actually is because I think they did it earlier than I expected them to, and I think it's very easy to forget how. This is like year two of the Cohen era and year one of Epler, and he got hired in November. <laughs> so it's still a lot of holdovers from the past, and it's going to take a while to get through them. Yep, well, crossing my fingers that if these trends continue. All right, well. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Now, if they win, are you, is it going to be a happy Met If they season? win the World Series, I'll change it. Nice. No, that's, that's been the uh, the running condition, as I understand it. Mm, okay. <laughs> and then someone's going to, like, take it, and it's going to be, like, locked and empty, and I'm going to scream <laughs> into the void forever. You can make yeah, but if, if you lose I it, could, I should just be, make it. <laughs> you can become sadder Mets season. Oh, man. Um, it's all coming up me. I'd be very sad when they lose this division race, which I am now fairly confident they are actually going to do, so... I haven't been particularly optimistic, and I'm even less optimistic. 
but yeah, um, subscribe to this podcast for more uh, unoptimistic takes about the Major League <laughs> Mets and the Minor League Mets. Um, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. 